Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the fields of psychology and mental health. With your host, Gabe Howard, and featuring Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Psych Central Show. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. Vin, how you doing? I am here. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. This week, we are going to discuss why do people with mental illness stop medications? It's well understood that medication and mental illness sort of go hand in hand as far as reaching recovery. Um, mental illness is a medical illness and it takes medical intervention. One of the things that occurs over and over again is that people begin taking their medications and all of the sudden, for seemingly no reason, stop. So Vin and I are going to get into what some of those reasons might be and sort of explore it from there. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Excellent. Vin, go ahead and throw out the first reason that people might stop taking their medications. Well, I think uh, I think one of the reasons that people stop taking them, and, and this doesn't doesn't pertain just to uh, meds for for mental disorders either, but everything, is side effects. I know that when I started taking Prozac for my depression, I uh, I gained weight, and I know a lot of people on Prozac tend to lose weight, but I'm not one of those fortunate people. And mine went the other direction, which did not please me, and in fact, did not help the depression. So I, um, I eventually switched over uh, to a, a different medication that was more of a stimulant, I believe, and, and therefore didn't have the same effect on me. I didn't lose weight on that. Although I didn't, uh, I mean, I didn't gain weight on that, but I also didn't, uh, didn't lose what I had gained before. I, so I that's think, a big factor, I think. There, there's a phrase out there that the cure is worse than the disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, if you're suffering from depression and you feel that you don't fit in and then you gain a lot of weight, one, you feel physically bad. I mean, carrying a lot, around a lot of weight is is uncomfortable. But that'd yeah. be a, a, a fair statement. And, of course, you don't look your best. Your clothes don't fit. People start to notice and make comments. And you can really see how that might drive somebody to you know, think, oh, well, I was depressed before I started and now I'm fat. So I'm depressed and fat. And I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. And of course I, before this happened, I had over, over time, I had lost quite a lot of weight in fact. So when I gained back about a third of what I'd taken off, well, this depressed me. <laughs> so it was <laughs> kind of counter to what the, what the meds were supposed to be doing, but 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 there was also no question that that it did help my depression overall too so so that was a good thing well it's all about finding the right fit of course i mean when you're trying to treat any illness you you want to match up making the person well with not causing the person so many problems that that their life becomes you know, sort of less than, I mean, obviously if we have a cancer cure that, you know, puts you in a coma, but yet cures the the cancer, that that's not a very good cure. You've just traded one malady for another. Uh, Mental illness is sort of the the same way. You need to find the right combination of medications that cures the mental illness that you're suffering from without causing a side effect that, you know, makes your life not as good as you want it to be. Right. And you know what a lot of people don't realize, too, is that side effects aren't necessarily permanent. They do go away. One medication that, I, uh, that I'm on for probably four months had a particular side effect of making water taste metallic, 
which since water is actually my favorite beverage, this bothered the crap out of me. But it did go away, and, uh, and so that's all good. As somebody that loves Diet Coke, I think that water being your favorite beverage is a symptom of mental illness, and you might want to get that looked at. <laughs> uh, One of the really common side effects with psychiatric drugs is sexual side effects. Now, let's we all know this. It, it's, it's well aware. For those that don't know, I'm cueing you in right now. Sexual side effects are very common on psychiatric drugs. Mental illness is often diagnosed between the ages of 16 and 24. So let's be honest. 16 to 24, a lot of 16 to 24-year-olds want to have sex. Really? Yeah, yeah, Vin, Vin, you're just giving me that. Oh. Really? That that happened? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> very common age. I, I believe statistically 19 is the age that most people become sexually active. But it's also, you know, in our country, we have sort of a weird... Uh, relationship with sex. We, we've got, you know, half-naked women to advertise pretty much everything on every billboard, uh, but discussing sex is shameful. So let's say that you're a, a young woman. You're, you're a 20-year-old young woman. You're on psychiatric medications. You're meeting with a doctor who is often older and is often male, and you now have a sexual side effect on your medication. Uh, you're unmarried, and you're now in the position of having to tell somebody that you want to be sexually active in a culture that is you know, looks, looks down on this. So yeah. many people talk about how, Hey, they would rather just stop taking the medicines than have what really amounts to an uncomfortable conversation with somebody that is often the age of their parents or their grandparents. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Well, this, this leads to bad outcomes. Obviously, if you're not giving the doctor all of the information that the doctor can't change it, the best advice that I have for people is that ultimately the doctor should not care uh, if you tell the doctor that you're having a sexual side effect and the doctor says, well, you shouldn't be having sex, young man, young lady, uh, that is a pretty good indication that you need to file a complaint and get a new doctor. Yeah, but most of them aren't going to say that. Most of them are not. Uh, we've sort of worked this up in our head that that's what we assume they're going to say. In reality, most doctors don't care. We're... We're work product to them. And I don't mean that meanly. It's not that they don't want us to get better. It's just, it's their job to make us better and move to the next patient. You know, the, the average doctor, especially in psychiatry, sees, you know, four people an hour. Well, the average week, that's a lot of people to be that invested in your personal life. So when you have a side effect, you have to accurately report it. One of the things that I'm fond of saying is, you know, people say, well, I had side effects on all the medications. Yeah, there's, there's, there's well over a hundred psychiatric medications. Most of people with, with severe and persistent mental illness are on a combination of medications, uh, different dosages, et cetera. So I, I think I did the math once and came out with like 1.7 trillion combinations and you only need one combination to work for you. So if the side effects are really keeping you off, you have two options, changing drugs or treating the side effects. So if side effects are the reasons that, that people stop, we need to educate folks that there's a lot that can be done about that so that they can stay on it. Exactly. Which moves us on to really one of the next reasons that I think that people with mental illness stop taking their medications. They just have a general misunderstanding of how mental illness works and how the treatment for mental illness works. I think that many people don't know what they're getting into when they're diagnosed. Absolutely. I really think this is another function of being young. You, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, I was diagnosed at, at 24 years old. When I was 24 years old, I thought I was invincible. 
I'd never been on drugs before. I'd never had medical problems before. None of the other 24-year-olds in my life had been on medications before. So here I am really seeing a doctor on a really serious level for the first time in my life. So it was really easy to believe, oh, you're just giving me drugs. This isn't the way that other illnesses are treated. You're, you're, just, you're just throwing medications at me. And I started screaming things about big pharma because I, I misunderstood the process. In reality, yeah. if you're sick and you go to a doctor, they give you drugs. <laughs> they give you treatments. They, they diagnose. They look into it. Mental illness is treated in much the same way as any medical diagnosis. There's just sort of a stigma attached to the mental illness where we assume our our caretaker, our doctor, might not be on our side. Why do you think that is, Vin? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I haven't a clue. I, I do think it's it's ironic though, because the general populace has always been looking for you know the proverbial magic pill, you know, to to cure whatever malady they have. But when it comes to psychological issues, they seem to be on the other side of the fence. It's like, oh no, drugs for, for treating your mental illness, that's bad. Uh, I don't get that. It makes no sense to me. I have high blood pressure, give me a pill. I have headaches, right. give me a pill. I'm overweight, right. give me a pill. I'm suicidal and want to die. Get over it. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. What's wrong with you? That kind of mentality? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, that having a general understanding of how mental illness works really does create a, a culture of two things. One, the person diagnosed with the mental illness, they don't understand the treatment, so they're not on board because they lack the education. And the people around them don't understand it either. I remember when I was first diagnosed, and I accepted the diagnosis relatively quickly. I, I read a lot about it. I had good people in my corner. And I remember going to my parents' house. Uh, just on vacation, you know, to stay a few days. And I pulled out my two pill cases. And my mother said, and I quote, oh my God, you have to take all of that? You need all of these meds? And she just started poking at them. She wasn't trying to be offensive. She wasn't trying to be mean, but it, it sent a real signal that I was different from the other people in the family. Yeah, yeah, there is that. And of course, you know, nobody wants to be mentally ill. So, you know, they, they they're, sometimes they're in denial of it. Either they don't believe they actually are mentally ill or they or they say, no, I'm really not. And so medication is something that's less and less of a consideration for them. There's many negatives to being mentally ill. There's many negatives to taking daily medication. But for me, one of the biggest problems with taking medication daily, it was a twice a day reminder that I was sick. Mm -hmm. It's just, it was a physical habit routine. It was, I could touch it. I could feel it. I put it in my mouth. I swallowed it twice a day. I was reminded, dude, you're sick. You're sick in a way that you don't fully comprehend and that nobody else does either. And you can see why you'd want to run away from that. Of course. Let's flip it, gears for a moment and talk about what would you say to somebody that is taking their medication and feels any of the ways that we've talked about in the last 10 minutes. What would I say to them? Yeah. Hey, Vin, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder six months ago. The doctor keeps giving me drugs. I, I don't like them. My mouth is always dry. You know what? I don't think I'm bipolar. I feel fine. I'm just going to stop these meds because I'm not playing into Big Pharma's hand. I'm just, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. Is that cool with you? Wow, that's that's a number of different things there. But, but the one that I want to pick out of that ramble that you just did, I feel fine. This is a big one because people will take their meds and they'll feel better 
and they'll think, well, I guess I don't really need these anymore because I'm cured. <laughs> no, you ain't. <laughs> you are not cured. But but that happens a lot. Uh, they will stop taking them, and then gradually they they decline and are how they were before, erratic, making bad decisions, whatever. And, and they don't even realize that they're back to the way they were. I think this is just very common. This is this is a human trait. This is a people trait. I'm going to pick on my father for a moment. You know, he had, he had a little bit of a heart problem. Not quite a heart attack, but he had a heart problem that, that ultimately resulted in him having to have a heart valve replaced. And, you know, my father, you know, he was a truck driver, a teamster, you know, he's blue collar all the way, you know, bacon for lunch and dinner, meat and potatoes kind of guy. And this scared him. I mean, it legitimately scared him. You know, here he was. Scare anybody. Yeah. yeah. And for the first couple of weeks after the surgery, for the first couple of months, if he heard bacon sizzling, he'd leave the house just to be sure. Well, now <laughs> here we are a year and a half later, and and now he can have a little bit. It, it, it's okay. Some of those bad habits that, you know, arguably got him in trouble in the first place have crept back into his routine. Now, he probably yeah. is fine. I'm not, you know, nobody needs to write letters to my father and say, please, Gabe needs you. Uh, I, I do need him, but 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 he's okay. But it's amazing how when he was first diagnosed, when he first had the surgery and when he was scared, perfection. And now that some time has passed, a little bit less. Sure. I think people with I mean, mental you, illness works the same way. Absolutely. You know, uh, when my mother had uh, had her heart attack many years ago, my older brother and sister quit smoking. That didn't last either. Lasted a few years, and then they, yeah, they're back to it again. Uh, so that was depressing <laughs> to me as I was not happy about that. Um, but it happened to me as well. You know, I uh, when I was uh, diagnosed as diabetic, I kind of freaked out, and I was just crazy specific on the foods that I would and would not eat. And then I went back and, you know, had my follow up like six months later, you know, everything is well controlled. I'm like, oh, good. You know, so this is this is working. That was years ago. And of course, by now I'm 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 back to, you know, not paying as close of attention, you might say. Vin, own it. Uh, you were considering eating a two and a half pound donut because if you could finish it in two minutes, you got it for free. <laughs> Not true. That was uh, you. Yeah, yeah, that was that was me. And again, I used to weigh 550 pounds. After I lost the weight, my diet was perfect, but it came back around. And I think another reason that it comes back around is because these are the things that we hear from our friends. And when I say our friends, I, I, I legitimately mean our friends. I think some people think that I'm doing air quotes when I say friends, but no, our social circle. Again, go back to the average age of a, of a mental illness diagnosis. You've got 16 to 24. See, the people around you, they're, they're not taking medications. They don't understand. So they, they mm -hmm. want to know why you're taking meds, why you're going to the doctor, why you're sick. This is this is a baffling concept to them. I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but you know, the, the average person under the age of thirty doesn't even have a general practitioner. They just they just go to the clinic the two times out of the decade that they manage to get sick enough to want to go to the clinic. It's misunderstood. When you get older, you sort of settle down, you grow up, and when you have to go to the doctor at 40 or 50 for high blood pressure, good chance that other people in your social circle are like, yeah, yeah, me too. I dig it. Yep. Vin, as somebody that's 55. I am not 55. Oh, some... did you mean you? <laughs> 
then, uh, you know, when you turn 50, things changed. You know, I just turned 40, things changed. When, when you hit your 50s, things changed. You know, you yeah. Yeah, have, have you had your first colonoscopy? No. No, but, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be coming, right? And uh, the other 50-year-olds are, are, you know, they understand. Hell, they're probably going to give you uh, hints and tips, wouldn't you say? Yes, probably unbidden. <laughs> but if this happened to you at 20... Do you think that the other 20-year-olds would be as supportive or would the jokes that are probably going through many people's heads about, you know, the word colonoscopy <laughs> start going through yeah. the other 20-year-olds' heads? Sure, yeah. See, so, yeah. you know, I bring this up because when you mention it at, at your, you know, your age, people are going to be supportive. You mention the exact same procedure to a 20-year-old and their social circle are going to start mocking you. I can already, I'm, I'm actually starting to write down jokes in case I want to do stand-up comedy. So while they might not mean to be unsupportive, this sends a clear message to the person going through this that you are different. And especially yep. when it comes to, you know, the vast majority of mental illnesses, you already feel isolated, alone, and different. So this confirms it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a type of peer pressure. And I think in many ways it's the worst type of peer pressure because it's accidental. You can't even chalk it up to the people around you just being jerks or your enemy or th these are people that you've probably grown up with and well respect and don't realize that they're doing this because again, they lack the same education that the person suffering does. Of course, the person suffering lacks the education and is sick and of course is not feeling very supportive. And right. all of that sort of collects together and says, you know what? These pills are better off down the garbage disposal. I don't need a doctor. I'm going to manage this on my own. And when you look at it all that way, with all of that coming against it, it almost seems like a rational decision. Because you're not thinking clearly. Exactly. Because you don't have all the facts. So I say that the biggest issue that we have is just a lack of education. We all know there's a shortage of psychiatrists in this country. There's a, a shortage of, of just mental health knowledge and education, period. So when somebody gets diagnosed, they're already behind the, the eight ball. They're just, they lack the knowledge. And the average psychiatrist can't sit down and play catch up with you and give you two hours worth of, you know, the information that you need. So it really does come out. Give me your symptoms. Here's what we have. Take your pills. I'll see you later. Because frankly... That's all the time they have. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. What I want people to get out of this is one, if you're taking psychiatric medications and you're considering quitting, don't. You really need to open up a dialogue with your doctor. PsychCentral.com has tons of resources on how to get more out of your psychiatric care, even with what we're up against, which is, you know, not having a lot of resources. The second thing is, you know, don't quit. It's not going to turn out well for you. And no matter how much peer pressure you're under, no matter how badly you feel, it's going to be worse on the other end. Severe and persistent mental illness takes a lot of things to manage. One of them is medication. And while I'm sure that there is somebody out there that can manage their severe and persistent mental illness without it, it really is very, very rare. Uh, you're going to want to you're going to want to go with the odds on this one. And finally, don't judge yourself for it. The goal in every life is to live well. If you are living well and that means you're taking medication, hey, you've won. What do I win? <laughs> you win health and wellness. I think that oh. you and I, you and I, okay. Vin, we both take psychiatric medications. We can both agree that, that our lives are better after the psychiatric medications than they were before we were in treatment. 
No question about it. Yeah. No question. I want to end with this. Uh, one, Vin mentioned a couple medications that he was taking uh, and their side effects. Remember, everybody is different. So the medications that Vin took that gave him a side effect may not work for you, may not give you the same side effect. Please talk to your doctor. This should not be construed as medical advice. If you are taking psychiatric meds, please don't quit. And remember, the psychcentral.com community is here for you, and we hope that you will tune in next week. Vin, you have anything to add? Just uh, stay healthy, folks. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Psychcentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psychcentral is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is a professional speaker, award-winning writer, and mental health advocate. You can find more information on Gabe and his work at GabeHoward.com. Vincent M. Wales is an award-winning speculative fiction novelist and suicide prevention crisis counselor. You can find more information on Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.